ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 166 of the Vex on Vex podcast. My name is VexX. Join with Dave. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm, I'm going to start with an audio clip from somebody else's podcast. We're not going to say the name because this is a joke that I want to tell that I can't tell. But. I'm this science. And Norm says, what's that? He goes, well, Norm McDonald. Let me explain. It's easy for me to just show you what I do. Norm, do you have a doghouse? Norm goes, I, I do. And he goes, well, then you must have a dog, logically. And he goes, I do have a dog. And he goes, all right. And if you have a dog, logically, I can assume you must have a child. Do you have a child, Norm? And he goes, I do have a child. As well, if you have a child, logically, I can assume you must be married to a woman. Are you married to a woman, Norm? And he goes, I am. As Norm, then logically, I can assume you're a straight white male. And Norm goes, wow, that's amazing. So the next day, Norm's down on the bus stop having a cigarette. Sees another one of his neighbors. The neighbor says, Norm, did you meet the new neighbor? And he goes, yeah, I did. He goes, what's he do for a living? He goes, he's a, a professor of logic down at the University of Science. He goes, what is that? And he goes, well, it's hard for me to explain, but it's much easier for me to show. <laughs> he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah. And Norm goes, hey, do you have a doghouse? He goes, no. And he goes, well, you must be a faggot. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to post it so bad. It's so offensive. <laughs> Someone's going to get upset about that. And then on the podcast that it's on, it's a joke. No, know, no. On the they, they started discussing that they can't say the word, and he was like, "Well, why can't we say that? It's fucking funny, bro. I say it a lot. I say it a lot. Yeah, a lot. Well, I'm a roofer. I've tried to I've tried to eliminate it from my lexicon. I really let's be honest. In the '90s, it got thrown around pretty, pretty fucking. And regularly. sadly, I'm from the '90s. We all are. <laughs> There's a kid. All right. Um, you know fire pants? You know who that is? Fire? No. You never had a fire pants? No. So, oh, fuck. All right. Story time on the Vex and Vex podcast there. Right. Episode number 166 there. Look I'm, at that. I'm fascinated by Eddie. I've, I've heard of You never heard of our friend Samantha, the little tiny girl? I know who she is. All right. Her nickname is Fire Pants. I was unaware. Samantha likes dating firemen. Okay. I'm going to tell you a Samantha story. This is so wrong. I'm sorry, Fire Pants. I, I apologize. So, I don't. I think this is hilarious. She probably. lives in a nice little row home, and it has a, a decent yard for a row home. And she's got like a fire pit. Not a fire pit, is it? Yeah. And she's like burning stuff, and she's hanging out like gross and Fire pit or a chimenea, if you will. Is it a chimenea? I don't know. <laughs> What's that word? <laughs> a chimenea. Oh, a chimenea. No, no, no. Just a regular fire pit. Okay. And she's like roasting marshmallows and all. Well, the neighbor's annoyed. Maybe she's out there drinking with her friends, yeah. right? So they call the fire department. So the fire truck pulls up, and then like four or five firemen walk up the alley and go to her yard. She knew every single one of them. She likes to date fire. Like, what do you mean knew them? Like, like in a biblical? No, sense? I I suspect, <laughs> but she claims no. But they, she knows firemen. She yeah. likes firemen. And, like, she'll put up videos all the time of, like, fucking firemen doing TikTok dances and shit. And she's like, woo! So we call her Fire Pants. Fair which enough. I became a nickname. And then on this podcast with Philadelphia, I referred to her as Fire Pants. And during the pandemic, we had a show at Liberty Motorcycles. Do you ever heard of that thing? Yes. So there's, like, it was, wasn't Starscream. It was the other band I used to be in. And we play. And she shows up. And I was like, oh, hey, Samantha. And Bill's like, that's Fire Pants? <laughs> what? And he like lost his mind, and so she is the famous fire pants. Oh, sorry about the that. point of the story is fire pants has a son. He's like 23, 24 years old. He's a man. He works for me sometimes. Everybody works for me eventually, right? And I he's, will never work for you. Yeah, you say that now. You don't know. Everybody eventually works for Vex. Anyway, I pay well. So we're doing a roof, and I had to climb a building, and it was only like one and a half story so it's like 15 feet it's not very tall right but over the edge of it is all this razor wire because it's like a, a it's a professional commercial building they don't want anybody breaking it and so i have to lower ropes and bring up buckets of stuff we're going to apply to the roof and i hired two guys so i don't have to pull the fucking buckets right, right. i'm up on the third story roof looking down and her son is just like <gasps> like he's freaking out i climb down like what are you a faggot I got to pull the fuck. I, I hired you to pull the ropes up yeah. and the ray. Oh no, razor wire. We're going to die. I've had to pull the ropes up and do it myself. Which Look, if you work in the trades, you, know, you, you just, you tend to say and hear some terrible things. Uh, yeah. Oh, the restaurant trades worse. I think they're probably pretty close. To like I remember working in a restaurant all the way through high school. I was a bus boy. And then I went into the big leagues when I got around college age and I was in a fine dining restaurant as a busboy okay. in Center City. 
and the shit that came out of their fucking mouths. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is mean. Like, don't talk to me that way. Don't you know who I am? I can, I can tell you a secondhand story from a kitchen that I will tell. Let's hear it. Uh, so a friend of mine who is, is now a very successful chef in his own right, worked at a restaurant as like a prep cook when he was in high school. This was the start of his uh, culinary career. I think he even started there as like a dishwasher okay. when he was like 15. Okay. Uh, the the head chef at this restaurant at the time was your, your typical restaurant chef. He was an asshole. Yeah. Uh, there was a kid that started there and got hired because he wanted to be a prep. He wanted to learn to cook. And they hired him as a prep cook and he couldn't hack it. Like he just didn't like it and transferred to front of house. He became a waiter. Okay. The chef took this as like a personal affront. It is. And made it his job to torment and destroy this kid. Makes sense. So this kid who uh, I, I went to high school with, he'll remain nameless, but, uh, he got the nickname Billy the Gay Waiter. <laughs> Billy is not his real name, but this chef called him Billy the Gay Waiter constantly. Uh, Billy the Gay Waiter was also, uh, he was Jewish and proud of his heritage. One day he came back in the kitchen to complain about something. And this chef walked over and threw open the oven door and yelled, Billy, Achtung, in the oven. That's pretty fucked up. That's real fucked up. But these are the things that go on in the kitchen. Now, I have a million stories for the trades, too, because people say terrible things in the trades. All right, let me do a kitchen story, and then we'll go back to your trades. Yes. Okay. So, as a young Vex person, who was already in a band, by the way, with King Sam, I always... Maybe 19, probably 18. Okay. And the advent of Starscream is what? How old were you? Oh, I was 18. Okay. I was 18. And it's, it'll be 30 years really soon. Ooh. Really soon, 30 wow. years. And it was funny because we played on New Year's, and I was like, in a few minutes, it's going to be fucking 30 years since King Sam and I played. And then we played right after that the first song we ever wrote together ever. That's awesome. Which I thought was kind of cool. Which is going to be in the new record, ironically enough. Wow. It's called Father. Brought it back. Huh? We bring back, yeah. We, well, you have to rearrange it a little, make it more oh, like, yeah. you know, intelligent. But yeah. All right. <clears throat> so here I am. I'm 18 years old. I'm a jerk off kid. I gr I drop out of college and I just banging around from shitty job to shitty job. And this is in my book. Anyway, 12 feet tall bulletproof. So <laughs> piece of shit prices. Piece of shit prices. That's what we got to call it. I'm going to make a plaque for the Dob Show. These are the piece of shit prices. I love it. $100. <laughs> I got to put one on the merch table. Like, yes, this is. Please the do that for real because it would be hilarious. There you go. All right. So here I am. I got fired. I worked at a place called the Broad Axe Tavern. It's no longer in business. They were famous for their crab cakes, like famous. They were in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. It was a drive to get there. I was in Port Richmond, which is way far. Like Bluebell's close to here, but yeah. I wasn't here then. I was fucking poor and shit. So I'm leaving the house. I'm driving, doing my job. Blah, blah, blah. I get fired. I'm a, jer I'm a jerk off. I get fired. Fine. I need a job. Like I need a job to pay my car insurance and all my dumb little shit, yeah. buying guitars and shit, right? So I, don't, I didn't pay rent. I was a kid. So I went to this place called the Old Bra House, which I'm not German in any capacity. I'm super Lithuanian, right? And I go in. That's close. No. no let me tell you how it's not. So I go in, and then they're like, and I've been a waiter. I know how to wait tables. It is not hard shit. I can talk to people. I take the order, and I pick up the food. This isn't hard. Yeah. But you got to be on your feet. You got a young, young man's game. So I go in, and this old guy with a fucking German accent hires me and he's like okay you come you work friday you start i'm like okay i need a job no problems or thank you so i come in i don't speak german bro like i don't speak i, I barely speak english okay i know i can't read german i can't speak german okay i go and i take the order from the people and it's gibberish i'm like i have no idea what you're saying but i walk in and i'm gonna place the order there's a chef there who's the old german guy's son and he looks like Ned fucking Flanders. Yeah. Literally. Ned Flanders comes to life. Oakley, Oakley. Now, we've just discussed how it's Rancy. Rancy? Randy in a kitchen. 
Like it's like a, 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 yeah. a, a rancid. That's it. A place of like ill repute, yeah. awful vernacular, whatever. So I walk in and I'm like, I'm trying to place it. There's a kid who's my age, who's the sous chef guy, the second in control. There's just two guys back there. That's it. And he's like, disrespectful. He's mean. And I'm like, you know, I could put you through a wall, right? Like, I know you think you're tough, yeah. but we're the same age. I fuck you up, little man. So he's like, place your order. And I'm like, okay, Gerber Schnacker. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying, right? And he's like, what is that? And I was like, I'm trying to pronounce it. And I was like, I don't know, man, fuck. And he's like, you do not swear in the kitchen. Chef doesn't like it. I was like, what? 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 I can't I can't say fuck. Yeah. <laughs> fuck that. Like, I was like, was it? It wasn't so much that I couldn't pronounce the words. It's that I couldn't swear in the kitchen because Ned Flanders would get fucking offended. Yeah. And Ned was like all nice and oakly doakly. And this kid's yelling at me. And I'm thinking, you're letting the kid yell at me, Ned Flanders. You're not a nice guy. And I was just like, really? So how long did that job last? I did it like, I'm going to say Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then the next weekend was going to be Father's Day, which is their biggest time of the year for whatever. That's their busy day. I remember being in some girl's bedroom and calling in and be like, I'm not going to be able to make it. Actually, I resign effective immediately. I don't work there anymore. So one week, I listen one week. And I quit on Father's Day, which kind of fucked them. But they were mean to me, man. Yeah, I feel like like they probably got over it. uh, I feel like it happened to them all the time. How'd you get fired from the first job? I was probably late because it was so far away and I, I, we were out rocking and you wake up, ah! and you gotta yeah. go. <laughs> but then it's like an hour commute. So it's like, if I just wake up and I get there now, I'm a half an hour late. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they didn't like that shit. One time too many. Hey, I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't give a fuck. And I remember the whole time, I'm like, I just want to play music with my friends. Yeah. I just want to do I'm going to be a rock star. It doesn't matter. I was definitely trying. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, all, we all tried. We all tried. Hey, give yourself credit. You got further than a lot of us. Oh, I don't care. I had so much fun. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I believe in God. Some people don't, but I do. And I heard the Steve Harvey thing. I'm going to go back on the camera. Fuck it. The other day, Steve Harvey's like, when you ask God for anything, you will get that delivery. Now, they can't say when it's coming. And you better be on Faith Street when it arrives. Because if you give up and you walk away, it's going to show up and return to sender. I think that's funny, right? But I asked. I was like, God, I just want to be a fucking professional musician. I want to be a rock star. The people I've met, the things I did and the experiences I've had only because of being in a band, yeah. I could never, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like we never got on MTV. We didn't do, I had certain goals I wanted to hit. Right. We didn't do it, but man, I've had fun. And like, here, look at the walls. There's guitars on the walls. Like life's good, bro. Yeah. Like, I mean, let's be honest, this right now would not be happening without music. We, we wouldn't know, know each other. And that's the thing. I wouldn't have even met my first wife if I wasn't in a band. Yeah. I wouldn't even have met her. Like, and I loved her. Yep. You know what I mean? Actually, mathematically, all three wives are met because of the circulation of the band. The, all right, you don't care. I'm going to tell you anyway. The first wife, <laughs> we had a graphic artist named Mike. Mike is now a married man. But he wasn't married back in the day. Fucking... 19 years ago and he's like i have a crush on this girl who works at kinko's so we're gonna wait to do your posters we're gonna drive to kinko's together you'll bring the band money and we'll get your shit printed up and i can flirt with this girl oh my right God, remember when you used to, have to do that i stand it's awesome <laughs> i do so in in february of 2004 we got in my truck me, my roommate at the time, who was a rhythm guitar player named Kenny, he looked like Jack Black in Starscream, and our graphic artist, Mike. We walk in, and there's this cute little girl behind the counter, and she falls in love with Kenny in 1.9 seconds. Oh. Very much to the dismay of Mike, who's my dear friend to this day, but she lived with a girl who was a smoke show who I married. Like, I would have never met these people. And I, the whole time, I'm like, I have to work tomorrow. I don't even want to be here. It's nine o'clock at night. I just want to go home. And then I didn't go home. And oh, there's more. I called out of that job. I got fired. <laughs> Seems like you're dropping your trend. I had worked there for six years. And I called out one time too many, hanging out with this chick I just met that night. Who I then married. I married her. It worked out. Second wife. We have another graphic artist. Her name is Sharon. Oh my God. We had a roadie named Trevor. Trevor Dan. He's. The scummiest roadie in American history. Are you sure? Are you sure? Oh. Remember, remember when you were a kid and there was the older guy in his early 20s that would hang out with the teenagers and buy them beer? Yes. That's Trevor Dan. 
Okay, so he's pretty scummy. And then he tried to fuck the underage girls. Like he's he's yeah. pretty scummy. Yeah. I, I hate. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's who you are. So like, he, like Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're all trying to find dates for the party. Yes. Does anybody have a date yet? I've been covering the high schools all day. <laughs> fucking scumbag. And he fucking. He, the way I met him, it's in the book, the 12 Foot Tall and Bulletproof, the Vex X autobiography. He fucking walked up to one of our shows on South Street, plucked out of 1969. From his yeah. heels to the top of his head, he looked like a straight hippie from 69. The hair down to his waist, headband, the whole thing. Does that concern you? Because I know you don't like hippies. I hate hippies, but he was a charming motherfucker. And, like, <laughs> and he liked Starscream, so I liked that. And then he was kind of like, hey, man, and he wouldn't leave. He just hung around. He would show up to every show. And I'm like, you might as well just carry the gear, man. Yeah. So he became the first Starscream roadie. So he, we take, oh, my God, it's King Sam's birthday a million years ago. He, We all go to Whiskey Tango, which the cover band's playing. We don't like cover bands, but whatever. And we're just hanging out. Sam is blind drunk, blind, right? It's his birthday. I'm hanging out. It's a fun night. Trevor Dan, the roadie, picks up some chick. That chick's name is Sharon. Who's she there with? The person becomes my second wife. Wow. Ain't that a fucking that creepy world? So, like, the thing that I always, I go back to all the time when you, when you talk about that is, like, again, I think probably we both got into this thing with, like, some weird aspiration of, of being a rock star. I like wanted to that. be Freddie Mercury, dude. Yeah. That's what you wanted. Yeah. You know, that was the goal to just... Less cocks. Did you put on this? Yes. I mean, it was minor alterations. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point now in, in our musical career, like, at this point, like, when you walk into a show at, at Bar 13 or, or anywhere where we play regularly, like, dude, that's like, I'm going home. Like, that's my family. That's my friends. That's that's where I'm comfortable I know these people, like, they're my people. Yeah, man. You know, it's like all these people, and I know all of them. We're not even playing tomorrow. We're going to go. It's going to be awesome. And all of them know me, and I know all of them only because we play music. I know. That's it. There's no other reason know. to know all those people. Like, think about the hundreds of people in your life who are friends. Yeah. Only like because dear friends that I've known forever. Only because you're in a band. Yeah. And it's awesome. And then... All right, I don't have. I never asked you this, but we're on camera, right? Cool. How did songwriting begin in your life? Like, what was the? Pro I have a thing. Like, I had a process that happened to me. Like, how did it begin for you? How did it begin? Um, again, I, I think I had this vague concept that I wanted to be in a band. How old? As long as I can remember. Okay, that's heavy. Because I was at, at a very again at a very basic vague concept. Okay. I didn't have, you know, notes and mission statements written down and these were my goals thing. <clears> no. <throat> but I remember putting on vinyl records in my parents' basement and pretending to like be on stage that early. Six years old. That early. Yeah. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew that was where I wanted to be. That's awesome. Uh-huh. How about the writing? I'm asking about the writing. Now the writing thing was that that sort of transposed itself because the other thing that I was really, really super passionate about other than music at that point was literature. I loved books and I really, really fell in love with poetry. And a lot of it stemmed from that, that I started actually writing poetry because it turns out that poetry lends itself to the art. It teaches oh, you it about does. spacing and phrasing and timing that mesh very well with music. Of course. And then I started writing my own. And once I started writing my own poetry, shortly thereafter, I think I was, you know, you hit that like teenage years where you start your first band at 14, 15 yeah. years old. And those poems became my first songs. Yep. Or at least pieces of yep. them and broke them apart. And that's how I got into it. That's how I started writing. Who's the guy from Training Day who's not Denzel Washington? What's his name? Ethan Hawk. Okay. Ethan Hawk has like a TikTok video on YouTube or something going around, right? And I I never thought about Ethan Hawk in a, in a in a huge way. I remember enjoying his performance in uh, Reality Bites. Okay, yeah. I love Training Day. He's a good actor. I remember him and his wife had broken up. Um, what's her name from fucking Kill Bill? 
What's it? Yeah, the chick who dances in Pulp. Yeah, Uma Thurman was his wife. Really? Yeah, and they had like a weird falling out. I think maybe he had like cheated or something. I kind of remember judging him. Like, like I didn't fucking <laughs> like like I didn't cheat, right? But I remember thinking, well, you got to fucking Uma Thurman, you shouldn't cheat. It's hottest girl in the world. Somebody's fucking sick of fucking her. Anyway, yeah, he looks at this camera and he's like, the art of life. I was on a roof listening to this podcast. That's why I was on a roof, and this video popped up, literally on Monday, and he was like. The art doesn't seem important in the world. He's like, poetry doesn't seem important. Songs don't seem important. When you're a kid and you want to make a career, your parents are like, you got to build things. You got to be a physician. You should be an attorney. You should help people. But he's like, wait till something happens. Say your child dies. Say your spouse dies. Say someone breaks your heart. All of a sudden, the human condition wants you or you want to find where someone else went through this. And that's art. And it hit me like a fist. And I'm on a roof. I can't get all lighted on a roof. And that's that's a thousand percent so accurate. It's not even funny. And it, it was dead on exactly how I feel. Because once I started, I have older siblings. And my mom is pretty musically gifted. So like that was always a thing in my house. But once I hit like teenage years and like grunge happened, yeah, and that was the first time I felt like that was my music. Yeah, it and, was. And at the time, as like angsty teenager type that I was, and you know, maybe not having the best circumstances as a kid on top of all that, and at the same time, wanting to do these things, when you hear songs like, you know, things from like Alice in Chains. And you hear the shit that Lane was singing about. It was maybe the first time you're like, maybe I'm not alone. Maybe there is other people out there that think and feel the same way as I do. And dude, I I hate to be a downer and get all serious on our silly little podcast that we do. But I have said this a hundred times to my friends. I wholeheartedly believe that like in my worst times around that age, that music probably saved my life. I agree with that. I probably would have offed myself if it weren't for that. No shit. Without a doubt. Yeah, the music's important. I I look at it at this point. I take that into consideration pretty seriously often. And I'll be honest with you, like I go on stage to perform and I I almost look at it as like I'm paying it back. Like really? I'm paying it back. Oh, that's nice. Like I have to be that good. Because I owe that shit. Yeah. That's that's really nice. Yeah, man. see? Now I brought it all the way down. It's so depressing. It's not even now. depressing. It's like profound. <laughs> uh, mine's so much more fucking selfish. Mine is a lot more selfish. I So I don't I do not do drugs. I don't drink, right? I don't Have drink. you ever? Have yeah. you ever? I've had a sip. Yeah. It's but dreadful. You've never been drunk. No. Never drunk. I've had edibles. Like three times in my life, okay. Over the course of like fucking five decades, but never drunk, never. Wow, that's no. There's a reason. I can't even. No, 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 no. There's a reason. So, my real father was a fall down alcoholic. I can't stress this enough. Like, couldn't function alcoholic. Yeah. Like, would get a job. He's sober for a month. Gets paid on Friday. Drank so far into the next week, he gets fired. Yeah. And this happened consistently. For decades, and, in his and my life. older brother was that way. I lived through it. I know what that is like, and I, it's it's hard to watch. And a, I knew logically, even as a little kid, that it was hardwired into me because yeah. his father was an alcoholic, and his father was an alcoholic. Yeah. And if nothing else, I remember I'm not lying to you, being six years old because I was I was raised by other people, but he was still around. Yeah. And like I was in little league, and he would show up to the game hammered and this embarrassment of like that's my dad and like it's six years old i was like never me i was and i i mean i made a fucking line in the sand that will never be me man i fucked lots of things up marriages broke people's hearts i've wrecked cars i've destroyed things but i've never been drunk every bad mistake i've ever made I made that fucking mistake and I own that shit. So anyway, at six years old, I'm not going to do this. I say this in my head, I'm not going to do this. And I remember I was a dork in grade school because I had glasses and I wasn't super smart, but I wasn't dumb. 
and I didn't follow the crowd. Like, you know how, like, I remember there was a, there was a fad where all the kids had shaved their heads on the side, like a Marine haircut. Yeah. And I thought it looked dreadful. And we're like 11 and I'm like, I'm not doing that. And so I wasn't in with the cool people. I just, I just did my own thing. I didn't give a fuck. I never was. Yeah. I never was. I never had the desire to be because like, really? fuck them. They were dicks. So I go to high school and I'm now I'm tall. And I guess girls noticed me. And all of a sudden I was at the cool party at 14 years old. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is new. I yeah. like this. Uh -huh. And they're like, have a beer. And I was like, all right, I'll try it. And I took a sip. I was like, ah, this is quite bad there. I, I'm not a fan of this. And I remember thinking if it tasted like a chocolate milkshake, I'd be drunk right now. But it it's, it's poison. It's literal poison. It's not even a maybe. It's yeah. actually poison, yeah, which is what gives you that blood thinning effect, which makes you inebriated. Nah, I'm good. And I remember still hanging out with them because the girls were there and I did like the girls. And but it didn't. And then I mean, what happened to me? Music finds me. And now I had to hang out. Remember this? First off, first off, can I tell you that, that that's the awesomest way to put it ever? It's true. It, it, it found me. I didn't find it. Well, I'm going to tell you what happened to me if you want to hear it. This is profound. I was a freshman in high school. I was hanging with the cool kids. I had a whole life. I was going to be the normal uh, middle America teenager. I was going to be normal. And I was never normal. I was always kind of weird, right? Yeah, we all were. I'm asleep. It's like a Tuesday night. It's the middle of the winter. I have high school in a few minutes or in a few hours, I should say. And I get woken up. And bro, there's nothing else. I sleep through the night my whole life. I never, ever, ever wake up. I go to bed. I'm asleep till I wake up. I mean, to this day, I just sleep like a stone. Yeah. I wake up and I never wake up. And I'm like, well, this is weird. I have this compulsion coming out of my chest. Turn the light on. I turn the light on. Find something to write on. And I took out a marble notebook and I wrote an entire song. <laughs> and I didn't write it so much as it was there. And I just put it down on paper. Yeah. And it opened a floodgate. And I took the yeah. book to school for the next day. And then at recess, I'm like, Shh, sh, sh. and like a month later, I'd written 15, 20 songs. And then I'm honing them. And then I remember opening up a Motley Crue cassette tape. And I know you hate Motley Crue. Counting the state. Well, no, nobody had the lyrics listed. Motley had the lyrics yeah. listed. Um, Nikki took it very seriously. Appetite. So Appetite had them all. It wasn't around yet. I'm just saying. I know that it did. <laughs> I knew every word from every song. So I'm counting the stanzas trying to figure out the rhythm of writing lyrics yeah. and I started mimicking it. Then I would like, I mimicked Ramon's songs. I just mimicked like, you know how you write to write yeah, just to get like the rhythm of it. Mm -hmm. And then like the next thing I know, by the end of that book, now I'm writing my own ideas and my own thoughts. And like, it found me. I did not find it. Then I had to stop hanging around with the cool people and find musicians, right? They're the smelly kids. Usually Nobody are. likes them. When you're 15, none of us are good at it. So the band sucks. Girls don't want to fuck you. So I went from being super cool freshman year to sophomore, junior, and senior hanging out with the smelly kids who were infinitely cooler, I might add, and oh, great people. Yeah. And they partied. Let me tell you, they fucking partied. But I found my footing, and that set me up for the rest of my life. Because all those cool kids, there's this great line in uh, Almost Famous, that you'll see them again on their long journey to the middle. Yeah. You know, saying this mm -hmm. profound thing, and that's, I don't know. Yep. That's where you're gonna wind up. That's how it is. But yeah, I mean, that's that was that was the start of it all. Was was you know, I got into poetry, which was super cool. And there's some really cool shit in there. It also teaches you how to like use like metaphor and things like that. Yeah. To describe things in a different way, which not to you know be arrogant and toot my own horn. I think I'm better at than a lot of people. Yeah. I think I spit out some really quality shit. <laughs> So I'm cool with that, but yeah, man, it's it, back then was a weird time. Like <laughs> again, I was like the 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 loud, confident dude that you guys see on stage, and you hear me sitting here talking now. That dude was not real. That wasn't a thing. That was not the guy I was. Like I was like the straight A student, quiet kid in the corner, like Jesus, that didn't have no friends. Like I was, I was gung-ho super nerd like i had no friends i had no friends i remember all right so i took like a little bit of solace in high school once i was like weird and ostracized and creepy what i did notice is that i wasn't the only weird creepy kid so i remember by senior year i had my own lunch table which was like the lunch table of misfit toys we were all the weirdos but they were my weirdos and we right. had there's like strength in numbers and like right. so we and if you can't, you didn't come to my New Year's Eve party. It's an amalgamation of humanity. 
Like yeah. there's there's a lot of weirdness. Like Johnny Zero went cray cray at the party. <laughs> like so what happened, he was supposed to come here and crash overnight and watch the Eagles game, right? He's just one example. And um it towards like two or three o'clock in the morning, he's like, I gotta go. And I'm like, you live an hour away. Yeah. So-and-so who drove you here isn't driving you back. Like you're staying here until tomorrow. We're watching the Eagles and then I'm driving. No. And he gave me this whole reason, which sounded like bullshit of why he had to leave right then and there. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And he gets in the car with my friends, really great people who were driving home for free. He starts verbally abusing the, the wife. Like kind of yelling at her what? to the point where she calls on speaker to have me calm him down. And as soon as she called me, he like backed the fuck up. He was like saying mean shit. Then and this is a true story. I swear to God at four o'clock in the morning, when he gets home, he texts me, never contact me again. So I just look at it and I'm like, I know he's drunk off my liquor. Like it was my liquor that fucked him yeah. up. And then I didn't think anything of it. I just cleaned my house and I went to bed. I didn't get to bed till 6am. Right. Wow. So, he texts me 12 hours later at 6 p.m. And he's like, there's just a lot going on here. You don't know anything about. And I've never heard from him again. And like my neighbor across the street is also friends with Johnny Zero. We're all friends. Yeah. And he hasn't heard from Johnny Zero. Like it's like dun dun dun. But this is like the weirdness that's he's he's harmless and he's nice. Yeah. He was mean to that lady, which is fucked up. But um, that's what I collect. I collect strays, I guess. See, I think that's also something you and I have in common. I think I think somehow the weirdness gravitates to us. I have it agree. And, like, it's going to sound shitty if I put it this way because I, I just don't know how else to describe it. I feel like both of us wind up, like, being the leaders of the goon squad. No, I just said it. Island of Mifit Toys. Yeah. Because I, I have no desire to be your leader. I don't want to do that. I just want to be your friend. <laughs> but at the same time, all of a sudden, these people then start looking to you. And you're like, how, how did I get put in charge of this mess? Uh, shit. <laughs> there's a part in my book, right, where there's a, when I was in high, grade school, there was a dance. And only the seventh and eighth graders could go to the dance every year. And when you were in fifth grade, you would, you would talk about the dance. Yeah. And when you were in sixth grade, it was. And then seventh grade, we finally got to go, but we're not the eighth graders. We're like the underlings. And I was like, all right, this is the dance. And they had a lip sync competition. And whatever month it is, I guess it was like December or something. And I'm like, next year is my moment. I'm going to lip sync and I'm going to be cool. Right? So like, I just, whatever. So now the year rolls around, now we're eighth grade. There's other kids there from the seventh grade, but they're like dorks. And so we're there. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to lip sync Guns and Roses and I'm going to win over the school, right? And I remember being in the bathroom with these other dudes. I was like, listen, man, we're not even friends. You sit on a fold up chair and you play air drums. And I'm handing broom handles to people. This is your guitar. This is your bass. Just stand next to me. And they're like, do you really know the song? And I'm like, I got this. I bro. do. So we get on stage and we killed it. And, and like, nothing if not <laughs> right but i remember even at fucking 13 or 12 or whatever i think it was 13 i'm already organizing the shit it just came natural right. so when we got into a band i had never played a show and we walk into the first show which is in somebody's fucking yard when i'm 18 years old and i'm already organizing it i'm setting up the staging i'm making sure the sound is right it's not my show man I just took over and that's the gig. Like either you can or you can't. Yeah. And the only time I didn't run something for the band, we did an international tour that somebody else ran and it was a clusterfuck. So never again will I not be at the helm. If we went to California, we got there and back successfully because I ran them. I think, I think your, uh, I think your grasp is a little bit more rigid than mine, but it's along the same lines. Like I have a lot more. I don't give a than you yeah i'm not that guy no i know and that's fine that's fine <laughs> but again at the same time i think like like you said like we both kind of just we lead the rabble you that's know how it works man i don't know why I, I didn't even want this job no i remember <laughs> all right you've had to have seen the band where the singer's a puddle right and they cater to him and they bring all the gear and they set it up and hopefully so-and-so shows up and we have a set i'm like i would love to be that guy I would love to be in a band where they all did the work and I just showed up and got to be a rock star like Jim Morrison. Nope. That's, nope. That's what I do. Nope. Every load in, I'm there before everybody. I, know. I, I just, I, I'm not the guy. I'm the fucking, I'm the fucking, this is it. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. 
I wish I was. I wish I was the guy that they they cater to. But no, that's no, never gonna happen. To me. I just don't care shit. But that's not. But though, I make flyers. I book the shows. I promote the events. Like I, I just took a video. We had to wait for this podcast yeah. so I could shoot a video for later on for my yeah. fucking shit that we're gonna do for the Dob shit. Which is gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. But like that's my point. Like this is what I worry about. Yeah. And it's just in me and always has been. It's just my natural inclination. What what I find really fascinating is the fact that you're not nervous about it. Why would I be nervous? I don't know. I always am. Really? Oh, dude. It's, yeah. I am sick to my stomach the whole day of the show. No. Yep. No. Mm -hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. My anxiety is on 11 all day. All day. We've been performing for 30 years. And it'll never change. And in 30 years, I got nervous one time. King Sam and I played our first show. It went smooth. The second show, remember? Not remember. Do you know who Ray Coob is from WMMR? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He has a daughter. He's on what? He's on MGK. Now he's on MGK. It's the same company. Yeah. But he was the guy on MMR. His daughter came to one of our shows and she was like, play my birthday party. And we're like, Ray Coob's daughter. Yeah, we'll play your fucking birthday sure. party. So we show up. And I look at King Sam, and again, it's in another yard. Our first two shows were in yards, like Van Halen. Like, they were in yeah, backyards. We all did it. And I, and I look at Sam, and I'm like, I'm really nervous. I have a great story about one of my first yard shows. <laughs> well, you're stepping on mine. <laughs> I'm not. I just wanted to get that out, but I'll tell it. We'll tell it one second. So I look at Sam, and I'm like, I'm nervous. He's like, you're in somebody's fucking backyard. There's no reason to be nervous. Dude, relax. And I was like, okay. Never again did I ever get nervous ever again. In 30 years, we played in 10,000 seat venues. We played in front of thousands of people. We played in front of seven people. Never ever again did I ever get nervous after that moment. So go ahead, what's your story? So I'll, I'll continue down this topic before I, I, I tell the story. So literally, I spend the entire day of the show sick nervous the whole day. From the time I wake That's up. That's sad. I'm in a fucking panic. That's sad. The instant I get on stage and the first note happens, I can feel it wash away. Of course. It's gone. Immediately, like that, Good. gone. It should be. And it's such an awesome feeling that I don't mind the anxiety leading up to it. No. I really don't. It's so worth it. That just wave of there is nothing else. This is calmness. This is fine. Everything is going to be great. Let's fucking do this. Let's crush it. Is so awesome that I will pay that price during the day for that to happen. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking cool. That is cool. Every fucking thing about it is just so awesome. But anyway, my yard show story. So, one of my first fucking bands ever. Blistered Earth. Good name. All right. We were like, yeah, we sucked. It was a terrible. <laughs> we, all, we all did. We were terrible. We played the show out of this kid's yard. And. We had a drummer, and he told us that he was leaving the band. Dun, dun, dun. Cool. Can you play this show? Yeah, I'll still play this show, okay. but I'm leaving the band. In the interim of leading up to the show, I find us a new drummer. Our old drummer is cool enough to actually like have him come to practice and like help him. And learn him from him, yeah. Cool. That is cool. Fucking awesome, right? He picks up a decent amount of our tunes. To the point that he is, you know, not probably not quite ready to play a show at this, but he's getting there. So what we decided to do was, halfway through the show, we will make the announcement that our old drummer is leaving, mm -hmm. and we will introduce our new drummer, which is awesome, and he'll play the second half of our. Who fighters did that, by the way? Right, I did it before that. Super awesome. Many years. I'm, I'm a trendsetter, goddammit. So. As this leading up to the hours before the show, we get there, we're setting up. Someone has actually built a drum riser in this yard. Fucking awesome. Which is super awesome. It is awesome. That's so cool that you did that. Joking around, I say to the first drummer, yo, you should come out on the drum riser when you leave and just drop your pants. Okay. He's like, that's a great fucking idea. Okay. I'm going to do this. Okay. In the hours leading up to the show, he has planned out where on the riser he's going to stand, how he's going to look when he does it, how he's going to present himself to the crowd, put his dick out to the fucking world. Okay. He has not considered one fact. Once you drop your pants, 
They are around your ankles, and you cannot run off the stage. Truth. <laughs> Truth. So I say my goodbyes. I bring him out to the front. He waves to the crowd. He drops his fucking pants, jumps down off the drum riser, and attempts to run away. And falls flat on his fucking face after two steps, gets back up, and buddy hops away. But how does he not comprehend this is going to happen? Uh, he's a drummer, number one. Have okay. you met drummers? Oh, that's mean, but yeah. No, come on. What do you call a drummer without a girlfriend? Homeless. Ah, but I'm fine. Ah, that's a drummer joke. See, sorry drummers if you're out What's there. What's the first thing a drummer does when he gets up in the morning? Put his clothes on and go home. That's right. See, drummers are a fucking mess. A lot of them. <laughs> I have never met one drummer that was worth his salt that wasn't in a, like a total mess in some way or the other. Johnny Mac's a pretty organized guy. Dude, by miles better than everybody else. Everybody, right? Like, yeah, he's like functional. He's still a little fucking weird. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a drummer. Exactly. See, you already know. Ozzy said it best. He's like, if you bang on things for a living, you're not right in the head. Right. He's There's like, something about the one person that's different in every aspect. <laughs> in a band. <laughs> not just in the band. In other things. Look at sports. Goalies. Goalies are fucked up. Catchers, they're not okay. No, catchers are fucked up. Yeah, they're all fucking weird. Drummer back there, yes. It's the same thing. They're all fucking weird. You want to hear a story about your drummer? Yes, I do. So New Year's Eve, we're playing. And then, I don't know what happened. San had eaten some edibles, you know, and was feeling loose. Lovely. We are very organized on stage. But you are. we I were having a, a, a loose evening. So out of nowhere, we so start. Starscream was having a pistol razor show. Bro. We played a song we've never played. You know, That's Animal so by Pearl Jam? Yeah. Now, me and Sam played it in 94 when it came out. We've never played it since. Johnny Mac's never played it. And Sam just goes to the red, and Mac just hits it. And he's right on. I know Paulie has no idea what's happening. And I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, I guess one. Like, it starts, right? Someone recorded it. It's not as car crashy as you might think it is. No. Mac stands up. And there's a window behind him. And he's doing fucking rolls. His wife's like, sit down. You're going to fall through the fucking window. And he's like, I've been doing this 30 years. Because this 30 years. It's true. Mac is such a star. He stands up. Drummers don't stand up and keep everything going, including the pedals. I will tell you that uh, the last show we just played at Bar 13 uh, as Pistol Razor, um, my dear friend Melissa Martin got some great video of our set that night. And there is a section where Johnny Mac stands up in our set. I'm like, yes. Bro. Dude, it looked so awesome. In the 90s, he was in a band called ACID, which was Another Cry in Darkness. So all, oh, those, goth, all those goth girls you were fucking were at those shows. Oh, right? yes, they were. So uh, we would play with them all the time. We were called The Broken, and they were Another Cry in Darkness. And Johnny Mac's playing right before us, and he gets on stage, and he's fucking I can, hammering. I can feel the angst from here. There's a fucking mirror that's, like, right at his elbow because he's back in the corner, and he's hitting so hard, the elbow goes right through the mirror. He's covered in glass and doesn't stop playing. So no one knows. I see it. The band has no idea. He's covered in shards of glass. Yeah. There's blood running down his arm, and he never stops. And I'm like, that's the most punk rock shit I've ever seen in my life, so, dude. I have a similar story. Uh, what's that bar down in New York? It's halftime now? Yeah. You Pale Dog. Pale Dog. A million years ago, it was Pale I played Dog. as Pale Dog. Uh, what was it? What band was American Tragedy? That was one of my other bands. Good name, too. American Tra Also mine. I'm pretty proud of that one. American Tragedy played down there. And the drummer we had at the time, who was my best friend at that time, he was our drummer. And he worked at CBS. He developed film at CBS. That's awesome. That's, that's how long they made a movie was. about him. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> he developed film at CBS. Remember the fucking a one-hour photo? Yes. That's how I keep going. The day before our show. A photo gets jammed in the machine at CBS, and he decides he can get it out. The machine sucks his thumb into the machine. Oh, which hand? His right hand. Oh! Timekeeper. He has 25 stitches going up his thumb, and he calls me and tells me, I'm like, you need me to cancel? Uh -huh. 
Fuck no. We're playing that show. Fucking right. You're my fucking hero. Fucking dude. I right. I love you. Fucking Let's right. Let's do it. We get there, set up, everything's cool. I'm like, you gonna be good? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. We are one and a half songs in. And I'm up there doing my thing, and it felt like somebody threw water at All me, the bro. blood. I turn around, and he is going at it, and then it's covering the drum kit. He is flinging blood everywhere. Now remember, his heart's beating heavy. So yeah. it's just pushing it through his ha thumb. Has not missed a beat. By the end of the set, he is gray. <gasps> All the stitches are torn out of his fucking thumb. It is filleted open. There's blood everywhere. He never missed a beat. I guess he went right to the hospital again? Yes. He is a fucking monster. Did he get a transfusion? No. Wasn't no. that bad? No, it wasn't that bad. They just stitched it back up again. They're like, hey, dummy. I'm like, dude, you are, you are the shit. I also had my drummer from the cellar door fell out the back door of our third. No, he didn't. Yes, it he almost did. happened to us. It was, almost happened to us. He was, I don't know if you remember Danny. He was tall as shit. He was like Polly tall. Okay. And gee, we were playing and it was right at the end of our set. So we finished the last <laughs> song and he leans back. And boom, right out the door. Barrel rolled out the fucking back door, backward somersault into the parking lot. We had a drummer. Remember the band I asked you about called Cubane? You don't remember? Yes. Okay, because they're from Delaware. So Cubane was around for a while, and then they stopped. So we, their drummer eventually became Starship Drummer for a little while. And his name is Matt. He's awesome. I love that guy. Haven't seen him in a long time. He's a good person. He's so big. He's like a bear. He's like Paulie, but big, yeah. right? He's a bear. And he's playing, and I heard the door open. So he almost fucking went, but he caught himself. Yeah. That's the closest we came to the. Go, 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 go. Nope, it didn't he happen. He went out right out the door. That's he had thing. a bad night that night. <laughs> and that's back Mojo Thirteen, right? It was Mojo Thirteen. Ah, yes. Out was it the same owner, or is he different? I have no idea. I don't. I don't even remember who the owner was back then. I didn't know him. Back I was drunk. <laughs> remember the popcorn machine? Yes. So I think we played. It also, for a time, had a hot dog roller too. Do you remember that? No. Yes. And dude, I used to dare people to eat them shits because they were there for, they had to be there for weeks. King Sam would get drunk after he played there and just sit there eating the popcorn outside. It was I, like amazing. I don't know how old the popcorn was, but the hot dogs looked bad. He's like, this is great. I get to play our flat like a free popcorn. The hot dog machine was short-lived. I remember that. It Man, was not there long. It's like a fucking 7-Eleven hot dog. I went on this uh, trip. Dude, I would have taken a 7-Eleven hot dog miles before I ever ate one of them fuckers. Did you ever see the footage this week, actually, of the guy who had a McDonald's plain cheeseburger and a wrapper for 20 years? No. And he opened it up, and it's, it looks Does exactly, it look exactly the same. The only thing that kind of disintegrated are the pickles. Yeah, because they're the only borderline natural. Borderline. And it's 20 years, and, and, and the wife That's was like, disgusting. you could just put this in the microwave and eat it right now. Why would you do that? Why would you save it? Just to, like there was a guy who put like one um, some French fries in his wallet Ew. and carried them around for like a year. I feel like that's terrible. Nothing happened. Like they're exactly the same. Ew. So how much potatoes? Obviously in there. Dude, McDonald's is so gross. I love that shit. I don't care. Fuck. It's covered I, in sugar. I'm not saying I'm not gonna eat it. I brought you a McDouble one day. You actually changed my life. So they changed all the prices at the pandemic. When I moved, all right, I'm here 10 years, right? When I moved in here 10 years ago, the thing I get at McDonald's was $3 and like 70 cents. Yeah. I would get a McDouble and a large fry and that's it. Cause okay. I hate soda. I don't drink soda or beer. Right? I just drink a lot of fucking water. Really? You know what I love? I love chocolate milk. I yes. love it. Huge chocolate milk, white milk and water is pretty much all I drink. And I drink tea occasionally. I drink so, a lot of coffee. Yeah, I know. Everybody does. You're working at a fucking coffee place. Yeah, I, I work at a coffee place. When I went away for Christmas, I had like 75 cappuccinos. Because I love it. It doesn't yeah. affect me. It makes me shit crazy, but it doesn't affect me. That's okay. And like every meal, I had like two fucking cappuccinos. And I, again, they don't rub me up. I can have a cappuccino and go to bed. But they yeah. taste so good over there. Yeah. <gasps> Where were you? Uh, Dominican Republic. Okay. So it's right there. Probably about the same. Probably, uh, yeah. When we were... Uh, the coffee in Jamaica is spectacular. Oh, it is. You're right. It's so well, it's all it's all the Caribbean, technically. Oh, it's delicious. It's a thing. expensive coffee. The cats eat the poop out and then they brew it. I heard about that. Is that it's, real? It's a real thing. It's fucking disgusting. So the cat eats it. Yeah. And then it makes a fucking it poops it. Something happens in the digestive system. They poop it out. People pick it out. They ground it. They roast it, and they make coffee out of it. And people pay like fifty dollars a cup for it. 
What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm not going to try it. I might try. First it. off, I don't give a fuck how good it is. I'm not paying fifty dollars a cup for any coffee. For cat poop. <laughs> I don't care where it came from. I'm no, I'm not paying you fifty dollars. There's it. something in the cat either piss or poop that kills you over time. Did you see that movie? Um, no, but hold on, right. I can't think of it. What made Obi Wan Kenobi actor guy famous? He's in that heroin movie. Do you remember that movie? No. Train spotting. Oh, oh, oh. New Obi Wan. I'm thinking about the old guy from the original. Oh no, film. he was he was like in the Gets- McGregor. Train yeah. spotting, spectacular. Yeah. So you've seen toxoplasmosis. Thank you. Yeah, that's what it is. Is it the piss or the poop? I don't know, but it's that's not what's in it. That's the disease you get from. It's called toxoplasmosis. But it's because you don't clean the cat box. Yeah. So if you live in a house with the cat just shits and pisses constantly, Correct. you just get that and die. Yeah. Which is fucking sad. Yeah. All the ways to go, man. Yeah. I don't know. But that dude also had AIDS. No, he didn't. The dude that died from toxoplasmosis, Tommy, he had AIDS. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. That's the no. whole part of the movie. That's why they go back, because Tommy got AIDS and died. No, he yeah. died from the cat piss. Because he had no immune system from the AIDS. I'm telling you, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I, why don't I remember that part? I don't know, because you haven't seen it as many times as me. You didn't even know what I was talking about. Because <laughs> I was thinking about the wrong Obi-Wan. <laughs> He got AIDS yeah. from the needle. Yes, because he was the one at the beginning for the longest time wouldn't do it. Obviously, the, the, when when what's his, when Obi Wan steals the sex tape from him yeah. and the chick dumps him, then he gets sad and he's like, "I want to the heroin. I got money." Yes, got AIDS, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna have to take a break again. Okay, I mean, right we, we got nine minutes left, but go ahead. I'll, I can't I'll hold. Just, it. Okay, don't hold it. Jesus Christ! You'll have to edit. This is a time where I can push my new book, my autobiography. So give me a second. Available for commercial release from Lulu Publishing. This is 12 feet tall and bulletproof. The Vex X autobiography. It's a little overpriced. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's worth it. There's a lot of pages in there. There's things that you can read. It's a good book. I like it. It is uh, available, like I said, at lulu.com. It's hard to find on the website because it's like a new release. So what I would suggest is that you can either go to the Starscream Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, or my Instagram page. But there it is, 12 feet tall and bulletproof. Check it out. All right. Now we can talk between us because no one's here. Boosty, boosty, bop. I've been thinking about Eddie Van Halen recently a lot. I don't even know why. Eddie Van Halen passed away in the month of October a couple of years ago. It wasn't like a recent thing. And now we're in the month of January, but he's just been in my head. I've been watching videos and stuff. And a good friend of mine, Will T, is also an Eddie Van Halen fan. I'm talking about Eddie Van Halen. Hi, Eddie. So I've been stuck on Eddie Van Halen recently for no reason. Really? Yeah. He passes away in October, right? Yeah. But that was months ago now. It's like three months ago. So I don't know what it is, but I've just been like down like a rabbit hole with That's it. That's cool though. That happens sometimes. Do you remember discovering Eddie Van Halen as a player or the music of Van Halen? And yeah. Who, which incarnation was it? Uh, it was uh, Sammy. You were Sammy first. Yeah. What was the first song that you remember shaking you kind of, and you kind of thinking this is special? I don't remember. I was, I found 1984 Van Halen in a used tape store. Yeah. I had that. And that was Roth. And it's like the last one he makes with them. And it's that the, was given to me as a gift. It's a great record, man. I'll wait is on there. Jump. So it's funny. Uh, that's the thing. I saw a video where David Lee Roth, he was like, when we when he wrote Jump, Eddie is on the keyboard. He's yeah. like, we were a band. And I was like, no fucking way. This is a guitar rock band. Yeah. And Eddie pushed it. And he was like, it's the biggest single we'd ever had to yeah. that point. So it's like, he was wrong. <laughs> Yeah, trust in Eddie probably. Well, you know, this is something I didn't know about until after he passed away because I started reading more about him. When Van Halen was in its infancy, like when they first got signed to Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers, every time they put a record out, made them do a cover because they were afraid that these original Van Halen songs weren't strong enough to be like songs on their own, like Pretty Woman, things like that. And I didn't kind of see that because like, I don't know, Van Halen always seemed to be like, it was kind of like more niche than mainstream. I don't know about that. Like he won like Guitar Hero magazine every single year for like five years in a row as a top player. Like 
if you're a dude into rock and roll, yeah. they were pretty undeniable at that time. And I like Van Halen. I'm not the hugest fan, though. Like, I, I would put a lot of other bands ahead of them as far as my, my pantheon of greatest rock bands. Who are your top five of great greatest rock bands? On the spot. Well, you brought it up, motherfucker. Top five greatest rock bands. For you. For you. I can start if you want. Go ahead. You start. I definitely a Sabbath with Ozzy is up there for me. Yep, hundred percent. Um, oh, here's the ball. Man down, man down. Sabbath with Ozzy is up Just there for me. Dollars. Original Guns is up there for me. Yep. I like I like Van Halen. So Van Halen with Roth is up there for me. Queen. Yeah. That's only really four. And then it, it, it the fifth could kind of be interchangeable with a lot of people or yeah. a lot of things because it changes like as far as influential. I'll get so that's my top four, I guess. Yeah, ACDC maybe. Yeah, that's that's a great one. That would fit in there. I really do love ACDC. That's a great one. But which obviously, oh, I would put the Doors in my top five. Do you? I I don't think I would. Do you prefer Bon Scott or Brian Johnson? Brian Johnson. Really? Yeah. A lot of you are a Bon Scott type of thing. I'm not a lot of people. All right, (laughs) keep going. (sighs) So you got the Who? I love CCR. Creed is the shit. It is the shit. Such a good band. But there's an album they put out in their career where he forced everybody to write like a third of the songs. Do you remember yeah. that? That's not good. Cosmos Factory, I think it's called. Something like that. I don't yeah. Remember. Well, that's the record. Uh-huh. And like, it's just so the whole the, the five years they're around, it isn't perfect because that last record's like a fucking yeah. shambles. Creedence kind of had like a short run too. Five like, years. That's the thing. Like that's that kind of bummed me out. I wish they'd be better. ZZ Top's really fucking good. Really? In your know, top five? I don't know if I put them Because how many ZZ Top records do you own? I own I own a greatest hits record. I don't own any records. Smith in the top five? Yeah, I, I probably would. That really fucking good. Here's the reason. You're looking at that like... early shit is really fucking good. It's amazing. Yeah, really and then there's parts of the 90s that I love too. I do. I love parts of the 90s. That fucking Living on the Edge. It was yeah. a great fucking song. That whole thing with Alicia Silverstone and the videos and shit. Was that, that was, well, was Eat the Rich. No, that wasn't the name of the record. The name of the record. You have Pump, Permanent Vacation, um, Pump, and then it's, uh, I just said it. Get a Grip. Okay, yeah. Get a Grip's the name of the record. But Eat the Rich is on that. That's what I thought I was thinking of. Okay. Eat the Rich. Yeah, but see, but there's a Motorhead tune that's called Eat the Rich, so I have like confliction in my heart. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel that way. Uh, I hate that. Does that bother you when like a song comes out that already has the same title as the song? You're I did it a few times in my life. It bothers me. Uh, one that really gets me is uh, Incubus has a song called "Wish You Were Here." Yeah, and I love Pink Floyd. Floyd might make that list. Floyd really? I'm shocked by that. Really? David Gilmore's so good, dude. But he's not original Floyd. That's where it gets weird. I don't care. Sid's the guy. But Sid's off in fucking another. Planet. He's dead now. Well, yeah, but he was, you know. Clinically dead for thirty years. That dude lost his brains. Yeah, he went way out there. But like, dude, the the wall is so good. Even like the albums that like people say they don't like, I think there's some really good shit on there. Momentary lapse of reasons, a spectacular fucking album. I'm not a Floyd guy. Really? Not at all. Oh, I mean, I own Floyd records. There's songs I like. Um, Shot on Your Crazy Diamond's pretty amazing. But going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the last podcast, it's a little proggy. It goes off. Yeah. Like I like hooks. I like, you know, verses and shit. I do too. Like, and the, they are not that. I find that there's enough of it that'll keep my interest. In I can't kick in seven minutes waiting for this incendiary guitar solo like you get on your crazy diamond. It's it gets true. really great six minutes in. I don't know if I um, LA Woman for is seven minutes long, but it's a great song all the way through. And that music, so I I'm definitely if we're the gonna, length of a song doesn't really I don't have that doesn't affect me. Remember the doors when the music's over? Yeah, I used to take when the music's over and LA Woman and put them on a fucking jukebox back to back. So you got 15 minutes yeah. of the fucking doors. Like it's it's about the confidence. Like dude, I'll listen to a strange all fucking day. And it's 11 minutes long. <sighs> it's not that long. It's like 11 minutes. Seven. No, it's like 9 or 11, I swear. Do, do, do. You should. I jumped into the river. Too many times to make it home. Nine minutes, 21 seconds. Wasn't 11. Wasn't seven, though, either. I said it was nine. I said you said that. I'm giving you props. I got to be honest with you. It's over. The hour's over. 
Is that weird? Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, use that as the play. We'll we are. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number 166 of the Vex on Vex podcast. Dave, thank you for your time. My pleasure, sir. The Vex on Vex podcast is available on the Podbean application on your phone under the Loud and Loaded Network. So good. It is so good. Is it the best guns tune? No. What's the best guns to? Rocket Queen. Rocket Queen's so good! (laughs) Alright, stay frosty. (laughs) Do you want to stay? Yes. (laughs) So nobody ever told you, baby, how it was gonna be.